You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths, the only non-slacker of this group who is actually at the office today. Actually, probably not the slacker, probably the one who is uh, the uh, most uh, rebellious of the group since I am uh, not. You were told to be in the office, weren't you? You were told to be in the office. I was. I have to be in here. But uh, Mike Chappell is here from his palatial estate in Beach Grove and Joe Hopkins as well from his humble abode or not so humble abode. Uh, Joe, where are you actually Indianapolis? Is it, where is it exactly? That you yeah, I'm in Broad Ripple. So Broad Ripple. Okay. We, we like yeah. So, so everybody is here. Everybody is on. We are recording through uh, the miracle of the internet and still coming to you via the Colts blue zone podcast and quarantine or not guys, this is an incredibly significant week in the NFL and certainly for the Indianapolis Colts specifically. So there are, there's no, no height or depth could uh, keep us from coming to you, the Colts fan this week because of what has happened. And Mike, we'll, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with probably the most significant of the moves so far for the Colts. And that is what you have confirmed uh, through multiple reports. And Mike Chappell knows himself as well, a one year, $25 million contra- dollar contract for former Chargers quarterback, Philip Rivers. He is a, uh, a name that has been on our radar throughout the offseason. We have discussed him at length, but now we know that it is something that is actually happening. Even though it's not official yet from the Colts, there's some different rules this year that you can or can't uh, announce um, uh, new free agent signings until uh, physicals are completely gone through and the contract has been enabled. So that's why we're not getting official news from the Colts here yet. But but Mike, this when when you first learned that hey, this is going to happen, and well, the Colts will announce it when the fiscal is official. What what was your reaction to the Colts agreeing to sign Philip Rivers? I was a little bit surprised. We talked last week, and I had I had talked myself off that ledge. I, I had convinced myself they were going to go more heavy with the, the the high draft pick and Brissett in, in transition that way, and and they're obviously going the different direction. This is one that's either going to it's it sounds simple. It's going to work or it won't. There's really no down here. Uh, this is a clear a lot of this is what we talked about last week. This is a indication that in their estimation, Brissett was not good enough, not even good enough to to be the bridge to whomever the long term answer is. So uh, I, I've talked to you know Texas and people in their organization. They they've did their homework. They, they didn't. They're just not taking this sight unseen. They they've done their homework. They they've looked at all of his tape. They believe the arm strength is there. Uh, I think they they're sort of rationalizing why the twenty interceptions. A lot of them, I think with was it seven of them were in the fourth quarter or whatever when they were trailing. So so th- th- this is one where you. You, I guess, put your face in what Ballard and Frank Reich see, because if this doesn't work, uh, it's not going to work sort of famously, because th- then you're going to have to go right away or, or sooner to your draft pick or whatever. So, uh, and, and again, let, let's keep in mind, is one of the quarterback situation. Will Brissett still be here? I think not. But uh, you've got to address this in the draft, and then you're going to have Philip Rivers a draft pick, and then maybe another veteran uh, as, as your quarterbacks this year. Yeah, he, here's what the move tells me, Mike, is uh, one of two things for sure is, number one, either the Colts were not vastly in love with any of those top flight first round quarterbacks, or they did not think they had the capital to get up and get the guy that they really like. So maybe they only like, you only like Joe Burrow and you know you're not getting all the way up to number one. Or you only like Tua and you don't think you can get all the way up to number three. Um, but if 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 they had been in love with one of those guys, whether it was Herbert, whether it was Love, I think there would have been more of an effort to get up into that top four, up into that top five. But since since that's the since what has happened is the case now that they go out and get Philip Rivers, that immediately tells me, like I said, that they couldn't get up or they didn't like anybody that much up there. Do do you think that makes sense? Yeah. yeah. To dovetail that, it tells you that they're willing to, I hate to use the phrase, they're willing to settle for somebody in the second round. I mean, don't you think they, I, I just think to think they're going to 
take a quarterback in round three or round four and he's going to emerge as their future is, is delusional. So I, I still think this means you take a quarterback at, what is it, 34 or 44, one of those top six guys, and you can throw, you know, four, five, and six in a hat and see who falls there. And who knows? You know, at, with 34 and 44, maybe you package those and move back into the first round to get a guy. To, what was it, Lamar Jackson, 32? Yes, he was. So, so uh, I'm not real that. Again, one thing we again we just we can't beat home enough. Philip Rivers is not the long term answer. He's a one year, two year stopgap, which we anticipated all along. And I'm really interested to see what phase two of this quarterback depth chart is. And, and Joe, I'll pivot to you here because right now the Colts have uh, four quarterbacks, I believe, on their uh, roster. It's uh, two of them, uh, Jacoby and uh, and Philip Rivers, both making twenty million or more. Then you have after that Brian Hoyer and your boy, Chad Kelly. Um, I I highly doubt that all four of those guys are going to be on the Colts opening day roster because, well, if you put them all together, it's about $52 million is what they would be making. That would be a quarter of the entire salary cap. So I don't think the moves at quarterback are done right now. No, it doesn't appear so. I I think they'd have to do something with Brissett um, for him to go back to being the backup at this point would just seem kind of odd in the locker room. I'm not sure exactly how that would work. Um, You've mentioned the Patriots in the past and with all the happenings of what's going on with Tom Brady, he looks like he's going to Tampa Bay. That's certainly an option if they decide that Jared Stidham, who they drafted in the mid rounds last year, isn't good enough to be their quarterback right now. Brissett is certainly a guy that would make sense for them. They drafted him. They liked him at a certain point. Um, so you got to think they they try and find a trade partner. If not, they might have to cut him because you look at the Panthers and Cam Newton might not have a home. He seems to not really have as many suitors. So it makes you wonder how many suitors Percet is going to have on the trade market. Yeah, there are several. Go, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. One thing to keep in mind on we talked about over fifty million dollars in in budget for your quarterbacks. It's going to be enormous whatever you do because if you cut Percet. You save, I think it's a $9 million base, but he still counts over $12 million in dead money. And if you cut Hoyer, you, you're going to count, I think it's like $2 million against. So you're, you're going to carry like $40 million for your quarterbacks, and that's simply, you, you can make things work cap-wise. You really can. I think they're roughly $20, $25 million under the cap right now, so they're relatively done on the free agent market. There'll still be some bargains here and there but the way this has panned out with 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 percent not being the guy this is going to be a quarterback heavy uh cap situation at least for this year not 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 at least for this year and the next year things should really ease up yeah and and uh, kind of pivoting again back to mike your point that uh, maybe the Colts look at quarterback somewhere in the second round it, even with the quarterbacks that are on the roster right now and how much money there is when I say there's moves to come at quarterback, it's not just guys leaving. It's not just maybe they find a trade partner for Jacoby Brissett. It is that you have to look at the quarterback of the future now because Philip Rivers is not that. He's 38 years old. He signs a one-term deal. I mean, if the Colts really want to, they can franchise tag him next year. But do you want to franchise tag a 39-year-old quarterback right now? I don't think you want to make that plan right now. Maybe if it comes down to it and you're forced into that position, you have to. But I, I'm looking way too far into the future right now. Like the, what, What's here now is – the Colts have to be looking toward a quarterback of the future. And if they don't get him in the draft, I don't know if they're waiting till next year's draft or they would try to sign somebody else, whether it's a trade for an, another quarterback or a Jameis Winston type thing. Like it, it, Right now, the quarterback situation in the future is just as muddy, if not muddier than it was last week, even if the present, it is a little bit more set in stone. And one thing we need to keep in mind, it, and again, they, they made the decision that Brissett wasn't the guy, so so their plan B is Rivers. In, in, keep in mind that the reason he was maybe plan A after Brissett is he knows the basics of what Reich and Sirianni do on offense. There won't be a lot of orientation with a quarterback who has no clue what you're doing. However, having said that, with the environment we're in right now, there's every possibility, likelihood, the players won't get together until 
what, June, July? Uh, there, there's a chance that the first time players get together on the field in camp. I, I mean, I'm not being alarmist. It's just the fact of the matter. So now you've got a, a new quarterback who has done things his way for 16 years and have, have it, it may be one of those where, hello, my name's T.Y. Hilton. Uh, throw me the football. <laughs> it, it, it could be one where they're, they're not likely they're going to be learning on the fly with, with, with all the receivers, some of the receivers who aren't here yet. So at least maybe you've eased that transition a little bit, but th- this is not an ideal situation. We're not in an ideal situation. Uh, and again, it's with rivers. It, it, it's either going to, the question that they they had to have made is, is rivers gives us a better chance with, three or four more games than what Brissett gave us. I thought, and we've, we've talked about this a lot. I really thought that after watching Brissett last year, that it would, be, it would have been hard to come away and say, you know, if everybody's healthy, he's good enough. Cause I thought even at five and two, while his numbers were you no know, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions were, were impressive. They weren't doing quarterback things to, to really win games. The plays down the field, Rivers is going to give you that. But can he can he eliminate a good portion of those twenty interceptions, or was last year the indication that this guy's tank is just about empty? And that's what the the question that has to be answered. Joe, do you have something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, people bring up the twenty interceptions a lot, and he's done that three times in his career, so it's valid. But what the Colts are hoping for is they get. The year previous, 2018, with the 32 touchdowns and just 12 interceptions, he's had a lot more, you know, fantastic seasons than he has 20 interception seasons. He didn't have the offensive line. They're going to have to get some more weapons around him. But I think for 2020, Phillip Rivers is a better option than Brissett or a quarterback they would have been able to draft. Immediate in the immediate future, for sure. He, I, I would think that. He is. I think that even a detractor of Philip Rivers would say it's a sidestep from Jacoby Brissett. I don't think anybody's saying it's a step backward from Jacoby Brissett for sure. So this is something that I I I would think that Philip Rivers is an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's a guy that people are. Um, there, there's a debate whether he's a Hall of Fame quarterback because of his numbers. He just hasn't had the success in the postseason. It's like I think we talked about this earlier when with our Eli Manning discussion. It's like if you put some more Philip Rivers numbers with Eli Manning's postseason numbers, then you'd have a quarterback that immediately, oh yeah, he's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. But um, Eli's had the success in the postseason. Rivers has had more of the success in numbers in the regular season. So um, he's a guy who has produced for a long time in the NFL. And the question, like we said, needs to be answered whether last year was uh, an aberration or whether it was really the start of a downturn in his career. And he is 38 years old now, a, uh, a young 38 with a uh, thir- with nine kids, guys, nine kids. The the entire Rivers family has more than like 10 people, which is what the White House has said. Try to keep your uh, your gatherings <laughs> to less than 10 people. The entire Rivers family is, is 11 with Philip and his wife and the kids. My goodness, guys, this is nuts. He's got to put one of his kids out in the backyard and rotate <laughs> the kids. There's only 10 in the house at a time. Uh-huh, something like that. Yeah. So, so the Rivers and his family coming to Indianapolis for at least one season. The future quarterback, very much up in the air. Uh, we will probably know more about that during the NFL draft, whenever the NFL draft might be now. Um, I think it's still set for, for late April. The draft hasn't changed. They've just go, – go ahead, Mike. I don't think they're going to change the draft again. There, there's things that you can do and you can't do. Off-season workouts again are in, in mid-April. Not going to happen. Uh, but the draft, it, it's not glitzy and it's not what it's become. But you, you can you can run the draft remotely. You, you, you've got the GM and, and his people in a room. You've got a, a, an employee on site in New York or wherever it's going to be. So, you know, it, this is going to test the uh, NFL Network and ESPN to, to make it watchable. But back in the day, those of us who've done this before, long time. It was it was without the big crowds. I think it can be done and it will be done on, on the way it's supposed to be. And I think what NFL teams will say is if we are going to be forced to miss some of our offseason, it would still be very beneficial to us to draft those players to get them technically, quote unquote, in our system so that they can get playbooks to them so that they can get information to them so they can start learning off the field 
because all your on the field stuff is going to be limited this offseason, given everything that's going on. So to push back the draft would put young players in even more of a hole to start out with. So so get the draft done, even if it's not the big show that it has become in recent years. Get the players signed somehow, get them their information they need to start learning so that when they finally hit the field, at least the learning curve won't be quite as sharp as if if you put the draft poof, push the draft back a month or a month and a half or whatever it might be. So so get the draft done. I think all of us can agree that that would probably be the best thing for this rookie class is to get them information as soon as possible, right? Now, the only issue would be with from teams is you're not going to have the, the visits, bringing in the 30 players for the visits. Uh, what was the story where Miami sort of anticipating the, this this lockdown where they brought in a couple of players, they tried to get two in, but you're not going to have these on-site visits. You're really going to have to rely on your, uh, your, 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 before all this happened, all your, your valuations, your tape, the combine, you're going to be investing a lot uh, money and, and time in, in your, your really your groundwork on evaluations. And again, that's how it used to be back in the day. So uh, it's, it's not ideal, but again, it's at least it's a level playing field, but I just, if you push it back two weeks or a month, what's to meet, what's to tell you that's going to be better then. So I think this is something again, that you can do remotely and, and get, get the nuts and bolts done, which is what you want. So Philip Rivers, only one addition for the Colts this week, this first week of free agency and, Really three main moves. We'll move on to number two, which uh, is certainly an an incredibly significant move since the Colts trade away their first round pick, 13th overall, to the San Francisco 49ers for defensive tackle Forrest Buckner. And uh, Joe, we all know Joe was having dreams about Javon Kinlaw there in the first round, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina. But Joe, if you were having dreams about him, then uh, having DeForest Buckner has got to be the answer to those dreams and more if you're a Colts fan. Oh, yeah. I haven't dreamed about Kinlaw since Buckner has taken <laughs> over. He's my new man in my dreams now. I'll tell you that. Uh, I mean, th- I had someone reach out to me and be like, is he worth a first round pick? Yes, absolutely. He's, he'd be worth a top 10 pick. Just turned 26 on what, Tuesday in the prime of career. He's been durable. Mike, I think he, I read your article. He's only missed one game in his career. Yeah. Um, Pro Bowls, second team All Pro. I mean, what else do you want? And this is at a position that Chris Ballard said is key to the defense. He said the three tech really drives the defense. So uh, I, I think Colts have to be ecstatic about this move. Yeah, Mike, back to you about what Chris Ballard said. I mean, that that, that position is crucial to the quote unquote Tampa two defense that the Colts want to run. Yeah, and and Buckner said I'm one of the best in the league, and he is at that position. I I text Tony Dungy about this, and he said, "This is the player that 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 again. It's the it's the key to making this defense work because we're the one. If you ask any quarterback, what he hates is pressure in his face. If you get pressure from the outside, you can step up ideally, and a the Mathis and Freeney from the outside. When you get pressure in your face, there's nowhere to go. So th- this is this is immense. I was trying to think. This is the best." defensive tackle they've had since and i can't come up with number two i I, booger mcfarland for the super bowl year but as far as a player ellis johnson back in the 90s was a first round draft pick but wasn't that type of this level of player i've always had a favor with a raheem brock who was really really solid but as far as a guy that came in and, and if he if he does hear what he did in frisco this is what you want. This is pairing him with what you've got. All of a sudden, Justin Houston's better. And Houston was pretty good last year. And you got Therese going to be better. And Bannon is going to be better. And if, if things work the way they hope, all of a sudden, your secondary's better. It, it just is. You're not back there trying to cover longer than, than you need to. So it, it's amazing how an elite player up front can impact and Darius Leonard's going to love this because now he's got more freedom. So it's, you don't want to overplay this, but, but like Joe mentioned with Kinlaw, I would always, always much rather have a proven player, a young proven player. The guy's 26. He's played four years. I would rather have that 
than the potential that a kin law would bring, even though the, the difference is it's 20, $21 million a year uh, for, for Buckner. But, but I would rather take proven talent over potential any day. It, it reminds me of an old uh, an old Family Guy cartoon, like the original season of Family Guy, where Peter is given the choice between like you can get a boat or you can get what's in this magical box over here that uh, like somebody is offering him this for winning, winning some kind of contest. And of course, Lois, his wife, wants the boat because they wanted a boat. And Peter's Peter looks at the box. He was like, no, are you crazy? This box could be anything. It could even be a boat. So that that's that's how I think about this. It, you you have a proven commodity into Forrest Buckner. If you're looking at your 13th overall pick, it's like what, this, this could be anything. He could even be be like DeForest Buckner. Well, well, you have DeForest Buckner now. So uh, there there's there's no um, there's no hesitation in my mind that that this pick was worthwhile. But at the same time, you have to look at it from the 49ers perspective. And Joe, maybe you can shed some light on this if it's a cap situation or whatever. But I mean, the 49ers were willing to trade him. So that must at least mean that they thought he was expendable. So um, from their perspective, why do you think this trade was able to go through? Yeah, Buckner was entering the final year of his deal. Um, They had Eric Armstead, who's a free agent this year, who they re-upped for similar money to what Buckner did. So they simply weren't going to be able to afford everybody. They were already paying D Ford on that defensive line. Richard Sherman, uh, Quan Alexander, they signed a year or two ago to a pretty big contract for a linebacker. So they're already paying a lot. Jimmy G's contract is not cheap. So this was a contract situation. They thought, you know what, while we can, let's get a first round pick for him. Um, I really think it kind of works out well for both sides. Yeah, I, I think if if you ha- if you hung on to him and then maybe you could afford him now, but then when some other guys come up, like I mean they have they have Nick Bosa, who they got, who's a young guy who's really good. When his contract comes up, you need to pay him more. Maybe somebody's going to be a cap casualty, and that could be him at the time. And maybe you only get a fifth or fourth round pick for him if you have to trade him away when you know he's going to be a cap casualty down the road. Now you get a first Kittle's round pick. coming up. Yep. Yeah. So so they have it. It's probably a more likely than not a cap situation is why they need to get rid of him. So um, their their loss is the Colts gain. Twenty eight and a half sacks, 40, uh, 74 quarterback hits, 38 tackles for loss in four seasons. Like you mentioned, Joe, he was a second team all pro last year. He had seven and a half sacks in twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen. His Pro Bowl season had twelve sacks. And I saw a picture of a. of uh, from his Pro Bowl season of Quentin Nelson blocking him. So it was Quentin Nelson up against DeForest Buckner there. So there might be a little bit of familiarity between those two. By the way, happy birthday to a Quentin Nelson today. I believe it is, well, it's probably 24, right around there. Uh, But a big Q, happy birthday to him, March 19th. A tremendous day for birthdays for for all, as it is my birthday as well. But uh, that that is neither here nor there. Big, well, happy big birthday, birthday, Dave. Well, Way to you, bury the lead on that one. I did, I did. But but I, I think people care a little bit more about uh, about Q. So he is just entering his prime. I am clearly well past my prime. But uh, uh, nevertheless. One thing that Dinsch, uh, Buckner said that he has, uh, and this is what you want, he said he practices like he plays. This is uses practice like you're supposed to. And I remember back in the, in the heyday with the Colts, the Harrisons and Mannings and James, they set the Reggie Wayne. They set the tone in practice. Can you imagine those? If and when we get to training camp, those practices with DeForest Buckner and Quentin Nelson when they're when they're going live, it, it'll be spirited to say the least. So, and that's what you want. You want your best players, your highest paid players, when they're your your tone setters. You've got something special. And also the third uh, third uh, major move the Colts made this week. It's one that we already knew was happening, but Chris Ballard announced it back at the Combines that the Colts re-signed Anthony Costanzo. They inked their starting left tackle to a two-year, $33 million extension. Makes him the NFL's highest paid left tackle. Um, and Costanzo, uh, Mike, we got the chance to talk to him uh, just via conference call because that's how everything is happening these days, including the Colts Blue Zone podcast here. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone for all the Colts happenings throughout the week. But in terms of Costanzo, Mike, we spoke to him on the phone. And oh, what takeaways did you uh, get from that call as to why he decided that, you know what, we're going to push retirement back and we're going to come back for a 10th season in the NFL? Because he said there's more and there's better to come. He, this is, again, a lot of guys are wired different. I never thought he was a lifer, which is why I took his retirement talk 
serious, but he's also a guy that is such a hard judge of himself. He really grades himself tough, almost to a fault. There were times that there have been times in his career when he's allowed a bad play, a bad series, or a bad game to carry over, and you can't do that. Well, he told us that he said he got away, and and he's a guy that gets away for like a week or ten days, and then he starts up again. He does his, his uh, workout regimen, and he always hates to miss days. And he said he felt as good as he's ever felt, and he felt he felt like you know health wise that he felt a lot better than he did this time last year. So he just has more to give. He wants to do that. He wants to be part of. He knows he's part of a really quality offensive line. He wants to be part of that. And as Ballard told us at the uh, combine. It brought a big old smile to his face. This this alleviates such a possible issue, and maybe at least for a few years because Costanzo's playing at least two years. This is a two-year deal, and I say perhaps more. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how this thing goes. But all of a sudden, you don't have to – there's no urgency in finding his, his replacement. Now, and Joe, yeah. Go ahead. Joe, Joe, in addition to just – securing the left side of your line, something that, that Frank Reich had mentioned, I think it was at the combine saying um, when somebody asked about the impact that Costanzo has, he said, he said that he couldn't even explain it as, as well as he could to the media because how much Anthony or having somebody there allows the offense to expand because you don't have to help with a tight end or a running back. So if somebody is for, for someone who is not a skill position player, Costanzo brings great, great value to the Colts offense, even though he's not out there running routes because he allows just so much more options for the offense, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, the offense on the field, it's huge. It's great for the offense. It allows a guy like Phillip Rivers, who's 38 and never was really that mobile in the first place, that offensive line that he needs to be successful. Um, like you said, helping out with blocking and allows the tight ends to get out in the routes and the running backs to get out in the routes. And Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon have caught a lot of the balls in the last few years. I have a feeling Naheem Hines is going to do the same thing with Rivers under center. And so having that same five group up front just really ties in everything the Colts want to do on the field and off the field. It allows them more flexibility, free agency. They don't have to address that. In the draft, maybe they don't have to address that as early. You still think they'll draft linemen at some point. Uh, but now, you know, picks 34 and 44 could be a quarterback of the future or weapons for right now for Rivers. It doesn't have to be a blocker. It be quarterback receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, one, one thing with that, I, that I, and I've written about it with Costanzo, I compare him to. Uh, Tart Glenn, again, I always I always go back to the, the, the Manning years, and Glenn was always one of the more underappreciated players in the league, not on the team, on the league. I think he went, he was in three Pro Bowls. But but what that left tackle, like you said, allows you to do, and it allowed Tom Moore always talked about this, you don't chip, you don't leave your running back in, you don't put a tight end over there. Tom Moore was always about putting everybody out, get, getting five guys out, in patterns, and if your line can do its job, somebody's going to get open. So that, that, that's what they're planning on. And, and one thing, again, we've talked about, the line, it, again, it, it's one of the best in the league. I don't know where you want to rank it, top five at least. But but Brissett did avoid sacks last year with his, his strength and, and movement and, and shouldering people off. Can Rivers do that? I don't know. So I, I think the pass protection needs to step up a little bit. But uh, I, again, I think Costanzo he gives he gives you that thing you need. Is, is like like Reich says. I don't worry about left tackle. I just don't. Now occasionally they may do something, but having that guy back not only this year but next year again he's missed. We talked about the uh, Butters missed one game in four years. Costanzo's missed twelve games in nine years. So th- th- this is a guy that w- when you have continuity, uh, it-, it just alleviates so many headaches. And go back to those, was it five games he missed two years ago with the hamstring? And they struggled. At a- left tackle, they struggled. There was pressure. I remember the pressure 
in, in the Philly game that, that cost him on fourth and whatever it was, where Luck had no chance. So it, I can't overstate the importance of having left tackle taken care of. And do they address that this year in the draft? I, I don't know. I I don't know that I'd use a fourth or fifth round pick on a left tackle or on tackle I think can be my tackle of the future. If I'm going to do that, I wait till next year and really focus on that. But now they don't, they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, let's look at the Colts draft capital now since they traded away their 13th overall pick. You still got two second round picks, with which we've mentioned. 34 overall, you got that pick from Washington last year. And also 44 overall, which is their pick. Round three, you got pick 75, which uh, I'm going to add that 75th overall was the exact same pick that Russell Wilson was taken by the Seattle Seahawks that year. That uh, the Colts said that they were going to take Russell Wilson as well if he had fallen to them. And that's owner speak. I I, I, I need to see that to believe it. (laughs) Okay, We'll, we'll, we'll give them that. Um, round four, pick 122, round five, pick 160, two in round six, uh, 193 and 197. So they still have a decent amount of draft capital. Um, we mentioned if you want to move into the top, uh, the top of the first, uh, the rather not the top, but the end of the first round with your 34 and 44, or maybe your 34 and 75 picks, that'll certainly be possible. Um, so there's still a little bit that the Colts can do in this draft in terms of getting a, a relatively, uh, top flight. I, I hate to use top flight because that I you try to reserve that for probably top 20 of the draft. So we, so we won't say that, but you can still get a guy who come in and uh, and have a significant impact on this team next year for sure with what they well, have. Well, again, at, at 34, you don't have to move up that high to get to the bottom of the first round. It, 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 they're, they're not going to get both second round picks. They, they're not going to do that. But giving it maybe that 34 and a, and a, and a third maybe, I don't know. But uh, they're still in position to do. Nothing's changed with with Buckner. It it, it just hasn't. He he like you know he 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 replaces uh, Kinlaw in, in, in Joe's dreams is all is all he's done. So but but again you can you can stay put, get your quarterback receiver, or move up if you really are afraid to take quarterback. Or I, I can't I can't imagine moving up at the bottom of the first round to get a receiver. I just think they're so deep. There if you if you move them if you're moving back in the first round wherever it would be for the quarterback. So let's take a look at these three moves altogether, the three major moves of this week. Uh, re-signing Anthony Costanzo, I think that one it can even be separated from the other two because if it was possible, if AC was coming back, the Colts were going to bring him back, period. But the other two, trading something for DeForest Buckner and also signing Phillip Rivers. These are not the moves of a team that is – uh, just delaying things for, for down the road. And that's not really the attitude that owner Jim Irsay ever has, it seems like, with his team anyway. Um, it's not a franchise that is trying to say, hey, our, our, we have a five- and a ten-year plan. That's kind of you, – you should, you should focus there, down at that, at that range. Like It's like you're bringing guys who you think can have a dramatic impact on the team this year, and you're really trying to go for it this year. And I think especially the Phillip Rivers signing – um, uh, points to that because if if you weren't if you were just happy enough with Jacoby Brissett, happy enough, quote unquote, you're like, oh, let's trot him out for another year and we'll have another quarterback develop behind him. But you bring in Philip Rivers and it's like, okay, we're still we're still really going for it this year. At least that's what it seems like to me when you look at all of these together. Do, do you agree? Do you disagree? Oh, but but don't we, we talk too again? If Brissett is just is just competent. Over the last two months, last year, they might win the AFC South. They're they're at the risk of being homerish. They're not that far away from being playoff contenders. Now, Super Bowl contenders, I'm not going there. They they weren't that far away from being ten and six last year. You know, let's not forget how bad the kicking game was last year. And even with if if, if nothing else changes and the kicking game is better. They're in the playoffs, even with the way the season ended. So, but you're but you're right. And one thing that DeForest Buckner told us it, before long, I'm going to say DeForest because because I'm a Star Trek kind of a Star Trek guy. So excuse me. But the one thing he told us yesterday is uh, he likes the win now mentality that he sees here. And uh, I I just think that uh, I, I don't think these two moves make them top two or three in the AFC. Uh, as far as power ranking, so to speak, but it's certainly 
makes them a playoff contender. And if they can see what they do at receiver, they still Rivers is going from having 2,000 yard receivers to having T.Y. Hilton coming back from his injuries. But I, I, I think this team is, is further along as far as being competitive than a lot of people believe. And I agree with you. You don't bring in a 38 year old quarterback saying, you know, in three years we're going to be pretty good. They think they're they think they're close enough now to contend for something. Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at the AFC, though, I, I could argue with you that they're number three right behind the Chiefs in Baltimore because New England just lost Tom Brady, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but I think the moves that have happened in Houston, Tennessee have brought those teams back a little bit. So I would argue that this puts the Colts probably third in the power rankings in the AFC well. right now. Good very well. So, you know, I, I think, you know, all of the hype around this team this time last year, this is a Colts year, everything's ready. And then it kind of fell apart this past season. I think after what they've done this offseason, it's time for that kind of hype to start to build again. Well, Joe, let's look. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Well, again, we're talking about the competition. I, I, I still am sitting here and I can't believe that DeAndre Hopkins is no longer a Texan. I mean, I, it, 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 it stuns me. There's, there's something there, and they're downplaying the rift and all this. I still think he's a top three receiver. And Jacksonville is in serious reboot mode. Stop me if you've heard that before. In Tennessee, I, we'll see. I mean, they, they, what people need to keep, let's, let's not forget the Colts won in, won in Kansas City last year. They won in Nashville and they beat Houston. So, like I say, they're not, they, they've got holes to fill, they've got deficiencies. This is not a, a team bereft of talent or potential at all. Yeah, let's take a step back and take a look at the, uh, instead of looking at the, specifically the Colts, the AFC South as a whole, because Joe, you brought it up, Mike, you continued it, but uh, the Houston Texans have a little bit of a head scratcher of a move if you're just uh, a, a casual fan, trading away uh, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver, to the Arizona Cardinals. The Texans get in return David Johnson, uh, running back, uh, 2020 second round pick, and a 2021, so next year's draft, fourth round pick. Um, Guys, it does not appear that the Texans got the same value in return that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is. And Joe, Joe is shaking his head right now. And I'll tell you, like I saw somebody post on Twitter, like somebody tried to propose this trade in Madden and it was denied because it said the Houston Texans would not accept this offer. So so digitally, this, this is this is a bad trade. But the Texans certainly felt like they needed to get rid of Hopkins. I've been vetoed for less playing fantasy football. I mean, <laughs> this. This trade, let's not forget the Texans also gave Arizona a fourth-round pick as well in this year's draft. Um, Houston's going to have to pay David Johnson over $13 million over the next year. So it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, you, you know, you can look up the rumors online about the rift between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins, the rumors that Hopkins was going to ask for more money. He saw the money players like Michael Thomas were making around $20 million per year and said, I want that, and I can't blame him. So, uh, you know... I get the reasons Bill O'Brien might not have wanted him anymore, but you got to think they could have gotten a lot more than that. What do you think Sean Watson's reaction was? Ah! Dears. It was You're probably here. like, oh, you hear first, hey, Deon hey, hey, Deshaun, we're getting David Johnson here. Oh, okay, cool. Let's see if he can get back to his form two or three years ago. Oh, by the way, we had to trade DeAndre Hopkins for him. I, I just, again, it's so, it's, it's difficult to get elite all pro talent skill talent and would they've had to pay him commensurate to that of course well that, that's what you do so I, I don't know it's i'd love to know the bat you, you you read things you see twitter you don't know what to believe i would love to know the backstory on what went on there this he would have had to be such a skunk off the field in the locker room for me not to put you put up with a lot of stuff, and I'm not saying it was true. I doubt if it is. But I, I, when you have a talent like that, this is a talent-driven league. I don't remember the last time I saw DeAndre Hopkins' name in, in you know, do, doing negative things. So it's a head-scratcher. Uh, Texans also answered their uh, gaping hole now at wide receiver by signing free agent wide receiver Randall Cobb to a three-year $27 million deal. So well, there was a plan. 
There you go. So, so that was the plan all along. We'll the corpse of Randall Cobb. Yeah, him alongside Will Fuller, Fuller and uh, Kiki Kuti, and uh, there's your uh, there's your Kenny group. Stills. Yeah, yeah Kenny. Well, yeah. You even look back to the past year. It doesn't look like the Texans have a plan at all. They've traded away their first round picks for the next two drafts. Um, they did get left tackle Laramie Tunsil. They traded away. Jadavion Clowney and didn't get a whole lot in return. So it really looks like they've just been digging themselves a hole for maybe the past year now. To be a head coach and a general manager is not easy in this league. Very, very few people can do it. Bill O'Brien, I think many experts would agree, is struggling at that. Maybe he would be behooved to get a general manager in there to take away some of those duties. But you know what? He's got it for now, so there's no reason that he would step down from it if you've got the job. So I don't. I mean, that that that's just me uh, me postulating, me sitting back here in, in the ivory tower and uh, and questioning uh, from 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 afar. So that's the Texans, the uh, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they signed quarterback Ryan Tannehill to a long-term deal, four years, 118 million dollars. Uh, Marcus Mariota leaves to sign with the Raiders. Um, with the Tannehill deal done, that allowed them to use the franchise tag on running back Derrick Henry. No surprise there. Uh, bit of a surprise, trading defensive tackle Jarrell Casey to the Broncos as Casey, a pro bowler for the last five years, sent to Denver for just a seventh round pick. So the defensive line is not going to be as good. Yeah. Is he 30? 30 years old. I, 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 just, I mean, a seventh round pick. I, I just I, I, I just wonder how these teams value players and and and, and they also if i'm not mistaken maybe you're going there didn't they lose a offensive tackle was it conklin yeah i didn't get there yet but conklin was the next one right tackle jack conklin uh signed as a free agent by the browns so again i i like i like the way the south is shaping up if if, if i'm a colts fan because teams are are getting not getting better uh, you can argue that Tennessee is sort of well. No, they're not better. If you lose Conklin and you lose uh, Casey, you're not better. You're just not. So uh, we'll see. It's interesting. And it, it, again, I always come back to Jacksonville because it, if, if you've got them on there, go ahead and tell us what those idiots down there have done. Uh, a fire sale in Jacksonville. Nick Foles traded away to the Bears for a fourth round pick. Um, so Gar- Minshew Mania is uh, alive and well in Jacksonville. They traded defensive lineman Calius Campbell to the Ravens for a fifth-round pick. Uh, they uh, traded cornerback uh, A.J. Boye, Bowie, to Denver for a fourth-round pick. And franchise defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, who does not want to play there anymore. So You have a better chance of playing for the Jaguars next year than he does. I might, and I am available. They should give me a call. Uh, signed Browns linebacker Joe Schobert to a five-year, $53 million deal. So that's the Jaguars' big move, signing linebacker Joe Schobert. But uh, getting rid of everybody and their mother, except for Leonard Fournette, just sitting there looking around like Will Smith in the last scene of uh, French Prince Bel-Air, wondering who else is left to play alongside him. One thing to keep in mind now with the way things change, I think Jacksonville's picking sixth, I believe. Uh, I think it's ninth. Okay, nine. What top ten? Aren't they all of a sudden in the in the market for a quarterback? I think so. Uh, you know, like as as exciting as Gardner Minshew was last year for a couple weeks. Joe, Joe, stop it with the with the mustache references Minshew, over there. I can see Minshew. you over Skype. I can see this. <laughs> My goodness. No, I I would imagine Mike that yes, they're they're in the discussion. So, so. It, it's crazy. It, it's crazy how how that franchise has rebooted three times. I don't know what it is. And, and they almost had it right a couple of years ago, AFC championship game where they were, where they had new England beat. And now go back and look at that defense. Remember it was it last year. They get rid of uh, uh GM Ramsey. So they've, they've dismantled what was a pretty solid top tier defense. And you wonder what they've got, how, how their fans down there continue to put up with this, idea that one day we're going to get this right i don't know how they do it i think losing a year or two ago um like linebacker telvin smith was was a big blow to that line uh, to that to that defense and um i don't know everything that went down with telvin he just stepped away from the game um said he needed to take time away for personal reasons basically he's quitting football um but but i got to cover telvin when i worked in north florida he went to Lowndes high school in south georgia and then uh, was a key part of the florida state national championship defense 
I think a fifth round pick in the NFL, something like that, but came in, then was a Pro Bowl guy that one year. The Jaguars made it all the way to the AFC uh, title game. So you lost him and like he he was he's a rah-rah guy. He's an energy guy. He is an I hate to use the word instigator, but that's kind of what he was on the defense. He would hype everybody up and was a guy that other guys would rally around. So if you lose someone like that who has that passion for the game and the passion for his teammates, everything else, I'm not saying he's the glue that held everything together, but he was some glue that held some things together. And with him gone, the defense certainly fell apart. In the year before that, they lost linebacker Paul Puzzlesley, who was a right. veteran right. leadership in that group. So, yeah, I think the loss of two linebackers in back-to-back offseasons hurt this defense a lot more than people are talking about. Yeah, we talked about that, the incredible dysfunctional you know, environment down there. And some, sometimes leadership can, can maybe be overstated, and then sometimes not. And if you don't have those locker room leaders who, who keep people from going 10 different directions, you're lost. And I'm not sure a team has had more talent, seeming talent over the years and done less with it than Jacksonville. Also Jaguar signed cornerback Darquiz Denard to a three-year $13 million deal. Again, again, they they had a plan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All along. But uh, the, the AFC South, uh, there, there's your wrap around the AFC South. Of course, free agency really just beginning uh, across the NFL, just the first day, and things will happen over the coming days, and things will be reported upon and moves. Um, so far, I've got a list here of all these Colts uh, that are free agents. Uh, you guys probably can't see this. I'm holding it up to the camera here on my computer, but it's not. I can see it. hey but there's a lengthy list of Colts free agents that we haven't heard anything about them signing with the Colts or signing elsewhere right now. So um, it, it seems like Chris Ballard with a lot of these guys is kind of like, a eh, wait and see. If you guys can find something better elsewhere, go ahead for that. And really, when I look up and down this list, there's a lot of guys that I'm kind of like, eh, on. There's guys that I like, like a Jabal Sheard and a Joe Haig that are valuable, I think, to the offensive and defensive side of the ball for sure. But there's no one on here that – I say you have to bring this guy back, except for Anthony Costanza, who they already brought back right now. So that's probably it seems like what Chris Ballard is doing as well. He's waiting and seeing and seeing what's out there, letting other guys look and see if anything's better. And, well, if they find grass is greener elsewhere, fine. But if they decide to come back, I'm sure that he'll have, uh, for some of them at least, an offer waiting to go. But now we just have to sit back and wait and see what happens. If I had to prioritize, I'd say Joe Haig. There's 11 guys. Joe Haig would be one just because of what he, he brings you. He brings you versatility. I would probably put Funches too because I think they're going to sign a wide a veteran wide receiver. And you liked him last year. You, you did. You gave him $10 million last year. And then maybe shared three. I don't know. Uh, beyond, But, again, beyond that, if you sign nobody, you, you, again, you walk away saying, it, it, it would have been nice to have whomever. You know, we won't mention the kicker uh, because I, I just it, it just doesn't work. But two or three other guys, I, I wouldn't. Mind. But if not, they'll move on and find, you know, the, the problem with losing, if you lose Haig, Clark and Josh Andrews, is then you have no depth, not a little depth. You have no depth behind your starting five. And, and while that streak of 16 starts is really impressive. It's also really rare, and to say it'll happen again would be kind of risky to bank on. Um, talking about, before we wrap things up, the external market a little more, if they don't resign more of their own guys like Funches, um, Hag Clark, like you mentioned, are those the type of signings we can expect to see? I, I doubt they'll make any more big money moves um, than they've yeah. already made. Yeah, so so are, is it going to be more – what else – is out there for the Colts and free agency that we can expect to see from the exterior, maybe kicking around a wide receiver, maybe looking for some depth on the O-line, um, a replacement for Jabal Sheard, maybe. Yeah. I, again, I think you can never have, you know, Ballard always wants to have nine or 10 offensive linemen that, that he likes. And right in, if these guys don't come back, he doesn't have that. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if if either Haig or Clark are back, you know, Haig has to decide, and the market has to decide if Joe Haig is a starter. Do people view him as a starter? If not, he comes back, I think. 
but if not, then you've got to sign that middle tier uh, offensive lineman. I saw the, the Niners let, uh, was it Mike Person? Uh, mm-hmm. Let him go, and he, he used to be here. So I, I think you'll see an offensive lineman. You're going to see a, you're going to see a veteran receiver. We're going to see a a second round wide receiver in the draft. I just I, I would be shocked if we don't. And we're going to see a veteran. And whether again whether you can find a better veteran or or Funches and does Funches want to come back? With the fact that you've got Philip Rivers here instead of Brissett, would that make Funches want to come back? Because remember Funches came here thinking Andrew Luck was his quarterback. So, but I think we're going to see an offensive lineman, lower tier, and a receiver. To say lower tier receiver, it may be ten million. But with all these moves they've made, I've got the Colts at about twenty million under the cap. So they don't have a ton, a super ton of space to do something big now. Though they may find those moderate guys to fill a couple of holes. And I think you need probably about ten million in your uh, rookie pool in your uh, for uh, for the draft, something like that too. Right. So and you keep X, X millions for injuries during the season. So. Well, you know, 20, 20 million sounds because you got practice squad too. You got you got a budget for the practice squad, so it goes quickly. Yeah, for sure. And, and Joe, just to quickly answer answer your point, I think yeah, the, the first priority probably has to be uh, offensive line and building some depth there. Um, just echoing what what Mike said, whether it's some of these guys here, it's a Josh Andrews or a Joe Haig or a Raven Clark. If you want to bring those guys back, great. If you want to go out and try to get somebody better, great. But um, you. you you don't want to go in with your five starters and then um, like Javon Patterson, who was on IR all last year, Jackson Burton, who was on the practice squad all last year. And a uh, sixth pick. What? Yeah. And another sixth round pick or something. You can't do it. Right. You no. gotta have so, yeah. You, you want some veteran presence out there. Even if you go out and you draft somebody. Um, yeah. You want some veteran uh, veteran presence as a backup right now. Somebody who has experience playing in the NFL, maybe starting in the NFL if that's possible. So, um, I would say look for some moves there uh, in the coming weeks as well. So uh, how how was our first quarantine podcast, guys? I think that went pretty well from my perspective here. I yeah, and we and I hope so because we may be doing this for a, a month or two. That's right. I'm I'm pretty comfy here, laying in bed, so I can't complain. Glorious. Well, I'm sure that I will at least still keep coming to work for the time being. And uh, Joe get, Joe gives us way too much information. It's true. It is about, true. You know, uh, about about dreaming about Ken Law, and now he's dreaming about Buckner. I just, you know, enough. It's what the people want, Mike. They want to hear about that. <laughs> well, we thank you all for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast this week. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter for all your Colts news throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone. I am Dave Griffiths. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchappell51, and Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Download and subscribe to get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week, and we'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs>